Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of the Addicted Mind podcast. I'm excited that you're listening today. I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Katie Lemieux, and she is going to talk about a very important topic that we see in addiction, and that is affairs and betrayal recovery. So she specializes in working with couples who have this issue, and she shares her insight and knowledge on this podcast. So it's a, it's a great episode. I definitely encourage you guys to listen. Before we start, I want to ask a little bit of a favor. If you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please go to iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play and rate us and leave us a review. It really does help get us noticed and get the word out about this podcast. So thank you so much to those who have done that. I really appreciate it. Also, I want to add that if you have a question for me, please go to the website, theaddictedmind.com. Right on the side is a button for you to leave a voice message for me. If you have any question you want featured on the Addicted Mind podcast, please leave it there. I will try and answer it myself. If not, I will try and find an expert that can. So I'd love to hear from you. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 12 of the Addicted Mind podcast. I've got a wonderful guest today. Her name is Katie Lemieux, and she's going to talk about a very relevant topic that comes up in addiction treatment all the time, especially with couples, um, affairs and betrayal. And uh, Katie, you want to introduce yourself before we get going? Sure. I just wanted to say hello to everybody and thanks for tuning in to this podcast. And it's a pleasure to be here and be with you guys. Um, so yes, my name is Katie Lemieux. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in South Florida. Um, and I do specialize in working with couples and further specialize in working with couples through affair and betrayals. So thanks for having me, Dwayne. Oh, you're welcome. Great to have you. And that's a that's a very specific kind of uh, niche right there is working with affairs and betrayal. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got into that and how you kind of got into specializing with couples and in this area? Sure. Well, I know many of us in the therapy world, we kind of come to our work and say, oh, I want to work with this population. And then there's many of us who kind of fall into a certain area. And that's kind of what happened for me. 
Early on in my career, I actually used to do a lot of work with children and families. Um, I've also done some addiction work. I was a clinical director of a substance abuse facility, um, as well as trauma and grief work. I also worked in hospice. And in my private practice, I started initially working with children, families, and teens, as well as working with foster care, the parents of uh, the children in foster care. Okay. And then slowly, for some reason, I started seeing a little bit more couples. And I was really trying to do solution-focused therapy and working with couples and that really was not working and I was like there's got to be something else here there's something wrong and during the time I was the vice president of our local chapter here the Broward Association for Marriage and Family Therapy and we connected with Chris Cambus and his wife Lori Cambus of National Marriage Seminars and they were hosting a Gottman training uh, right here in Fort Lauderdale and so they asked us to sponsor the training uh, as the association and we said sure and then I just kind of got connected with them and they kept inviting me to come to further training. So I actually have, I've been trained, I think in about seven or nine different trainings in Gottman. And then I've done some trainings through emotionally focused therapy as well. So, okay. Okay. Can you, can you talk a little bit for people that don't know or, or may not know what, what is Gottman? Sure. And, uh, so I've, I've, I've found that there's three major models of couples therapy or couples training, right? Like when we talk about addiction, everyone most often right. thinks of like 12 step models. So the three major models are emotionally focused therapy, Gottman method, um, and Imago. So therapists or couples counseling who are trained in that are trained in a specific model of couples counseling. Okay. So Gottman is, is a model in which you w- would work with a couple, kind of a therapeutic approach that you would use to work with uh, a couple who's struggling with an affair or uh, some kind of betrayal, or you'd use emotionally focused or Imago. What? Those are different, like they're different techniques. So kind of explaining those to, to people who are listening, like uh, when we talk about a model, what are we, what do we kind of mean? So someone who hasn't ever heard that before. Right. So it's a structure and a base of therapy. Like Gottman is research-based, right? So there's a lot of information in regards to working with couples and all of those couples overall, uh, couples, excuse me, all of those mo- models overall work with couples. And then I have specific okay. training um, in affair and betrayal recovery. Okay. Okay. So you would kind of use these techniques to help a client get through, uh, help a couple. When I say client, I mean the couple get through that, um, that kind of situation. So can you kind of explain like Gottman, like what you would do? Sure. So in utilizing Gottman, there's a lot of, I always call there's certain foundation and base work. Um, I've pulled from other different types of trainings through Janice Abrams. Uh, she specializes okay. in affair and betrayal. Gottman does have some affair and betrayal recovery. Um, they also have addictions um, in regards mm-hmm. to working through betrayal and things like that. And so one of the things that I first do with couples That very first session, obviously, aside from joining with them and connecting with them, is really setting some guidelines. Um, Right. And I don't know if it's because we're therapists that, you know, we're only seeing the couples that are having a difficult time navigating through an affair or betrayal. You know, it's, it's information and knowledge that most of us just don't have. So it's really important to set those guidelines in the beginning. And so one of the things I'm not, I don't remember exactly where this came from, but I do like this language a lot better rather than, oh, you know, the cheater or the one who committed the affair. What we do is we call the, um, the three different people that we're talking about, right? So we have, um, right. <clears throat> we have the hurt partner that was the one who was betrayed. Um, we have the affair partner if someone's having an actual affair. Um, and then the, the third party, um, 
we call it the involved party, involved party or partner, right? It's it's just kind of nicer and kinder in the language. And so what I do is I just kind of set set with sit with a couple, and we set really clear guidelines and parameters for each each party. So the hurt partner, um, and the involved partner in regards to the affair betrayal. So with your podcast, when we're talking about addictions, right? One of the most important things to work with a couple is that that person or both people need to be in active recovery. It's really hard to heal in a relationship um, when that person is in active addiction. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, almost you, you almost can't work with them if they're not doing some kind of recovery process and doing some kind of recovery. It's yeah, I would, I would agree with that. So when um, I like how what you're saying about how you kind of change the language right off off the bat to, to make it a little bit kinder and softer. I think that opens the door for, for a different kind of process, but kind of describe, you know, when couples come in the door and they, they go, this is our issue. This is what happens. How do they, how do they come in and, and how do you kind of build that rapport and set that framework and, and uh, help them? Great question. One of the things that I find, especially when we're working with affairs and betrayals, it's really essential that we need to be a little bit more of the director and guider. Like we really need to establish structure in the session. When I was not a trained couples counselor, um, it was almost like a runaway train when couples would come in as they would like, they like they feel like they finally have someone that will listen and then they just throw all of their problems and criticism and blame out there. And you're like, ah, how do I navigate this? Uh-huh. So one of the most important things, especially early on is to be the container, right? Like you're being able to receive the information setting the structure, ensuring that you're joining with both of them. There is a time, of course, that they want to share about what's happened. And so I only allow five to 10 minutes each party. So that helps them really get clear and kind of bullet point. Um, And if they kind of do go off on a tangent or start sharing stories or getting too much blame or criticism, you know, I just kindly gently guide them back or I'll just kind of reflect on what they've said um, and summarize so that they know that I'm listening and I understand. But letting each party share his or her perspective perspective is really essential um, because it's kind of like they've been holding this for a long time. Right. So when they come in, they really need that containment, which there's so much emotion and, and, and trauma yeah, with a betrayal, totally. especially this kind of intimate betrayal. So you really provide that container for them to begin to, I guess, have a conversation or at least start that conversation in a different way. Right. Maybe. And one of the things, and this is one of the aspects I really love about Gottman, um, and I know Amago does this, and Gottman calls it the Rappaport technique. I just call it speaker listener. A lot of times when we're in conflict with our partner, um, we're either both speaking or shouting at each other. Maybe one person's speaking, the other person's ignoring the other person, or both people kind of withdraw. And so even from the start, I say when you share, you know, your, your partner um, is just going to sit there. You're not going to interrupt or interject or whatever. And so I really start off our session with this is how it's going to look. Um, And this is a really important place. And you're right. There's so much trauma and so much emotion and everything. And couples come at different times of the betrayal or affair, right? Some come when it's really fresh. Some come when they've tried to manage it for months or years on end. And there's a lot of kind of cleanup work to do. They've done some of the work, but it's that stuck place that they get um, when they're both really frustrated. Right. And then they come in, they don't know what to do. So, so if a couple came into, to your session, I mean, to the, to the hurt partner, what might be, they be experiencing? Um, and what, what would be kind of a normal experience of this that a hurt partner would have? 
And then what would you tell them? Great question. So early on, and I know you were mentioning a lot about trauma, and I know in our work, we refer to a lot of trauma as like PTSD stuff. So post-traumatic stress disorder, you'll often find that, especially when the betrayal is really fresh. Um, And most often that can last anywhere between from finding out to maybe about six months. Obviously, if a client is really stuck there, they might need some more support, individual services, potentially medication or holistic measures, whatever is going to help them along. So some of the things that we can see as therapists is, you know, increased level of anxiety or depression, um, you know, the running thoughts, the inability to sleep or constantly reliving, you know, when they found out or the information, um, you know, they kind of go up and down in mood. Sometimes they're like, I want to be close to you. Sometimes they're like, get away from me. I hate you. Um, So it's helping them manage a lot of those emotions. I think it also, like like what you were saying, uh, what I found too is um, it can help normalize those reactions like that, the, uh, uh, what, the hypervigilance, the, mm-hmm. the constant running thoughts. Because a lot of times like what I've experienced when, uh, you know, partners come in and the hurt partner comes in and they kind of think they're crazy because they can't stop thinking about it for hours and hours. Yes. Yes, I'm glad you said that. You're, you're right, because they, they can't think about anything else, and they try to distract themselves, but they can't because they just keep thinking about it or reliving it. One of the other things that I find, too, is the difficulty in the identity, right? Um, yes. Yeah, people begin to not only question their partner, but it's a huge mind blow because they question themselves. Um, things like, how didn't I know? How did I miss this? What does this mean about me? Um, and then there's a lot of like self-esteem issues and putting themselves down and the difficulty managing all that as well. Yeah. And that can go on for a long time. I think, you know, I mean, I've seen uh, partners come in and kind of have that process for a year, two years of really like putting that over. What, what about, um, the, uh, not the hurt partner, but the other side, uh, what do you, what do you use to term? And I forgot. That's fine. The involved partner. The, the involved partner, well, what do you say to them? Um, in regards to... Like when they, when they, you know, when they come in, what are some of the things that they might be feeling, they might be experiencing, and, and how do you kind of help them to kind of see their role in this process? Yeah, and, and this, that's another great question. This is really, I find this work, it's, I feel very honored to do this work because I know a lot of times people aren't doing this work or we're very far and few between. And it's a very delicate process, right? As a therapist, right. it's our job to join with both parties. And one of the things that's really important is knowing your own, your own bias. You know, can I work with someone right. um, who's had an affair or created a major betrayal in the life of someone? So it's the ability to connect with the involved partner. So letting them know too. And although we kind of reframed the names and made them more gentle, I also let the involved partner know that, you know, he or she is also hurt, you know. And so what I talk about early on is the three phases, right? So the first phase is heavily on the involved partner in regards to the atonement phase, really expressing remorse and acknowledgement for, you know, how they've decided to deal with either the issues in their relationships or in the Mm -hmm. realm of addiction issues in their life. It might be some individual issues. 
um, and taking responsibility for that. The second phase is that we look at when we're looking at relationships uh, is that both parties take responsibility of how they participated in the relationship getting to the point that it is. And then the third part that we look at or the third phase is what I call recreating a new relationship story. And that's a beautiful process. And it's not a linear process, but this is where a couple gets to reinvent their relationship. And I remind people that often betrayal, it's not like many couples come in and they say, I just want to get past this. I want to put it in the past. I want to be done with it. And I let people know it's kind of like a death of someone you love, right? Even though time might go on and we might heal, we might be walking somewhere and see a beautiful flower and that reminds us of the person that we love and we might break into tears, right? And it's how a couple deals with when the betrayal kind of re-enters life or they're reminded of something, how they come together rather than allow that to separate them. So I, I kind of give that whole speech in the beginning to honor both sides. And I find that a lot of times couples, both parties can really kind of, they it brings them a lot of hope right i mean that's what i was thinking too just as you said those uh three phases like like labeling them and 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 kind of saying this is the pro there's a process to all of this hurt and pain and you can't come out the other side i really i really like that yeah i mean it really adds to um you know the atonement phase uh this is where i would i would guess what i'm thinking is the you know the involved partner has to really uh, kind of come to the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. For sure. And one of the things that we talk about is trust building behaviors, right? Not, it's not no okay. longer good enough to say, well, you can trust me or I'm not going to do that again, is that the her partner really needs to see and experience, yes. right? Like, so showing up, whether it's access to passwords. Um, I know a lot of times and the hurt partner often hates this part, but when you're talking about the mind going crazy, they put tracking devices or they're constantly checking the phone. And I know that drives people crazy. And I let them know that, you know, that's temporary that will begin to dissipate. And the other person usually doesn't like that. But I also talk about it's important to be open and have a transparent relationship at this point. Yeah, to be able to earn that trust back, I, you know, we do that a lot too as well. You know, kind of, oh, kind of becoming an open book, mm-hmm. and tolerating uh, all of the the you know the the hurt partners' um, kind of mood swings. You know, they kind of come close and then they start to feel bad. You know, they they come mm-hmm. close because they miss they miss their partner, and then when they get close, they're like they get angry and hurt and then they move back and then they come close and then they, and it's, I mean, for the, for the, um, you you know, the responsible party, I mean, it becomes really hard. You're you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things that we talk about um, as part of the guidelines is being able to tolerate um, the hurt partner's moods and exactly what you said. And then I also say to the hurt partner, your job is to learn how, and I'll teach you that, but learn how to express your feelings without blame or criticism. Because that's really difficult, right? When someone's throwing daggers to want to hug them and hold them um, after they've just blamed you for everything and the way that their life is, it's, it's hard to be able to be there for them. Yeah, it's it's uh, they've got to be able to hold because a lot of for for me, what I've experienced is is a lot of the involved partner. They've they have a lot of shame and guilt yes. sometimes, yes. you know, about what they did. And, and they look back at their decision and sometimes, you know, they don't even understand why they at this moment anyway, in the beginning, don't understand why they had had the affair in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But they feel, you know, they feel very, very 
bad about it. You're absolutely, absolutely right. And I do bring that to the forefront as well, because sometimes the involved partner kind of holds that in and they don't talk about that. So I like to bring that into the room. So, you know, the her partner understands that most often people, I don't find that people, I mean, you know, when you talk about the case of like sex addiction and things like that, the majority of couples that I've worked with, it's not like someone's going and looking for an affair or they're wanting to hurt their partner. Um, a lot of right. times these things happen or they've made decisions or they're dealing with life struggles or internal struggles that kind of lead them down this way. So you're right. There's often a lot of shame, embarrassment, guilt. So it's really important to talk about those things as well. Yeah. What would you say like when, when, you know, cause I, I think a lot of times when, if someone is listening to this podcast and this is something they're going through, how long, like, do each of these phases kind of take or t- take to go through, um, kind of setting some expectations of, of the time needed to make these kind of repairs? And that's a good question. Um, I don't, I don't know any like research based numbers. There might be some out there, but just kind of from my own experience watching couples, maybe from finding out when the betrayal occurred at the starting point, probably like one to three or, or one to six months in regards to that really heightened stage, kind of feeling the post-traumatic stress or the trauma of it all. Um, we tell couples it takes anywhere from six to 18 months for a full recovery. Um, so kind of for looking at the total three phases, because it's important really to create consistent behavioral changes, um, you know, over six months or more. So it's really hard in the first few months to be like, right. no, I've changed. And even though people see changes have occurred, it's not, sometimes it's not totally like intrinsic yet, right? It might be still extrinsically motivated. Right, so right, yeah. For sure. What would, uh, you know, I have another question too. So, so kind of saying for going back a second, so six to 18 months. But what about, you know, sometimes I, I work a lot in the area of um, sex addiction and porn addiction, and sometimes there's multiple betrayals in there. So they've been betrayed once, and then they kind of went through the process of saying, I'm never going to do it again. It, it's it's not happening again. And they get betrayed again. And this might happen over several years. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like you would say to that kind of multiple betrayals? So one of the things that we do talk about in the guidelines and Gottman talks about this, I believe in his book, What Makes Love Last, so it talks about trust and relationship, is he tells a story about, and I don't know where the diamond dealers are from, but he tells a story about diamond dealers, that they do all their business on a handshake because to break the loyalty of the commitment of the handshake and what that means is you'd be excommunicated from the community. And so it's such a strong consequence. What we talk about is that the couple needs to talk about exacting a high consequence if this behavior happens again. So that's part of the guideline process. I guess if it keeps happening, I would refer back to that or ask the couple to talk about that or the hurt partner to decide and really get some support around that. I know that I was working with a couple where it was a fair fair recovery, but he also had sex addiction Um, and so much that he um, was like, he was like president of a company or something like that and was fired and they had to move again because this had happened. And the wife, you know, stayed at home and she cared for the children. And so one of the things was that she needed access to the money. She needed her own account um, with 
X amount of dollars in it. So if she decided to leave, she could. She didn't feel like she couldn't leave. So that was like a high consequence for them. You know, sometimes people think, well, I don't want to get divorced. Divorce is not the only option or separation. Um, there could be a postnuptial agreement. Um, there could be many other things that are talked about in regards to the high consequence. And the other thing too is I would, you know, recommend maybe some individual therapy for that person so that they could process through what makes them stay um, and help them navigate the process and cons of being in this relationship or not being in this relationship. Yeah, definitely. I think that that is so important. You know, I've seen with kind of these multiple betrayals, this process, you know, uh, it seems to even be take longer. There's, there's a longer atonement mm -hmm. phase and a longer, you know, responsibility, like setting that very um, firm framework. And I do see couples get through it. It, it you know, um, it may take, two or three years, but I've seen many relationships survive that kind of trauma. And it's really amazing to see the other side of it. So can you talk about a little bit like when they're creating the new relationship? Mm. Yeah, that's a really cool and sweet process. It's cool to see a couple. And I just wanted to comment on what you said. It, so it's not only cool to watch them through the process, but actually have a better relationship. And I think that's yeah. As weird as this might say, that's the interesting and cool thing about betrayals and affairs is that the opportunity to have a better, more connected relationship is there. And my own personal opinion about that is, you know, we're dancing around a lot of times things that we haven't wanted to talk about, whether it's in our own families or with our partner. And now everything comes to the surface and we get to clear away all of that. And we have a much more, not only physically connected relationship a lot of times, but emotionally connected relationship. So as we move into phase three and recreate the new relationship story, um, it's a time to kind of say goodbye to some of the old habits, rituals, or traditions that they did that might remind them of the betrayal or the affair partner. And I know yeah. in addictions, you know, you guys talk a lot about um, person, places, things, right? So. Yes. Yeah, there has to be a change in those those things, you know, where you might go out on the weekend and have happy hour and then stay out all night. If, you know, using alcohol is something for you, then you create something different for yourself on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, so that's the same thing with the couples. It's maybe I had a couple that was doing they would do Groupons, right? So they started doing a lot of Groupons. They started riding bikes together. Um, there was also, I don't know if it was really any addiction issues, but they decided to cut out alcohol in their life. And so they would actually sit out on their porch and have what they called mocktails. Um, so that was really cool. You know, they recreated a whole new relationship in regards to being together and enjoying each other. One of the things sometimes couples, you know, they're separate, whether there's business trips or things like that. Also talking about rituals and traditions around being away from each other. Maybe they didn't really talk yes. before um, or just do something that incorporates the other person, even though they're away. Yeah, it's amazing to, to watch that. I mean, it really says, too, that there's there's a lot of hope. You know, I think when couples come in and, and you know, uh, both partners are so hurt in their own way and um, so much distress that uh, there it's hard for them to see that there's another side. There's another they can get to the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it's it is so awesome to see like what you describe. You know, they rebuild this new relationship that is so meaningful and deep, um, deeper than they've ever had before the affair. Often. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's great to see it. Yeah. That's, it's awesome.
And one of the other aspects of doing that we do is individual sessions in the context of couples, and those are really uniquely different, right? So when you're working with a hurt partner, it's often being able to empathize, sympathize with them, reflect, um, help them through their grief, their trauma, and their healing. And interestingly enough, the involved partner, it's more helping them grieve, but in a different way, right? So whether it's an addiction, whether it's pornography or substances or an affair partner, is there was a reason that they were doing that? And yes. there was actually some benefits in that, right? And so yeah. we need to honor and okay. acknowledge that, you know, there was benefits and how difficult it is now that you have to say goodbye to that thing or that person. Um, but also what you said, there's sometimes people who know why they've stepped outside of their relationship or created some type of betrayal in their relationship and some people don't so it's really important to help them understand why because the why is what also helps um a fair proof of relationship right if we don't understand why or what drove me here the her partner is always asking right well why did yeah. you do that is it i'm not pretty enough or i'm not good enough or you don't like my cooking i don't know whatever it is um yeah, <laughs> so exactly. it, it's important to understand why because it brings peace of mind to the other person like if i can point to several things or understand then i know we know together what to look for and how to create a plan for this not to happen in the future Wow. Yeah, definitely. And and so there is a lot of hope. So Katie, I really want to thank you for just coming on the podcast, uh, the Addicted Mind podcast and, and sharing all this information. I think this is so helpful to uh, a lot of people out there who are going through this process that there's hope and there is a process to get through it. And I just really want to thank you for coming on and, and being part of this podcast. And, and how can people find you and, and get your information? Sure. So my website is Family and Couples Counseling. Um, I am located in South Florida, actually in Coral Springs and Broward County. But the website's the best way to get in touch with me. There's a lot. I have a lot of resources, blogs, videos, books, recommendations, and things like that. So just to support couples wherever they are in the process, because we know many times it takes couples a, a while to get into therapy. So I always recommend if there's a book that resonates with you or a blog, do that with your partner. Read it, and it actually creates a lot of conversation um, to help get the process going. And Duane, I wanted to thank you for being a fabulous host and being able to talk oh, about you. a topic that I really enjoy. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I appreciate it. And everybody who's listening, you, I'm going to list uh, all the websites uh, that uh, that you have and, and some links to your blogs. It'll be on the addictedmind.com forward slash 12. And uh, just go there. You'll be able to get all the information and uh, we'll have some resources there for you as well. Uh, Katie, I just really appreciate it. Once again, thank you so much for being part of the Addicted Mind podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. If you want the resources, please just go to theaddictedmind.com forward slash 12. I'm going to list uh, Katie's website and everything uh, else on there. All the show notes will be there as well. And also, once again, a quick favor, if you're listening and you enjoy this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a review or go to Stitcher and leave us a review and rate us. That really does help a lot. And I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And um, I will see you next week.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.